Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music, the podcast sharing the tales and careers of modern singular voices in music. They just all happen to be female. So I've been sitting on this episode for a while and waiting for the right moment to release it. And what with the government announcing that there's no extra funding for the industry and suggesting that people should retrain and get new jobs this week, I felt like this week, this episode is more relevant than ever. Tree Stead has been a tour manager for almost two decades, working with artists like Jessie Ware, Laura Marling, Father John Misty and many, many others. When lockdown happened, Tree was on tour with Frank Turner. They had to abandon their tour and head home, and they didn't know when they would be going back to work. As you'll hear, Tree has since found another job in an entirely different industry, and still has no idea when she'll be able to get back to the career that she has worked so hard to establish. It's not a dissimilar situation for so many people within the industry at the moment and the fact that there is no extra funding and people are being asked to retrain and get different jobs like their entire careers don't matter makes me feel incredibly sad. Um, It's just so incredibly disappointing too. If you've found yourself in a similar position We have made a resource pack over on our Instagram, which includes where you can apply for emergency funding and um, some sites which have mentoring opportunities and also charities where donations can be made if uh, maybe you're in a position to be making them. I hope that everyone is okay and thank you so much for listening. So, how have you been during lockdown? Um, Yeah, okay, so I've I've been busy is what I've been, I'm not touring, unfortunately, but I actually went and got a, um, a job, well, I, I, I started, I, I went to volunteer at the Nightingale Hospital in uh, Manchester, uh, where I live, and that turned into a, a paid job, a full-time job, um, which I'm still at now, even though it's in standby, we're just looking after staff, so I'm actually doing catering, mm. which I've never done before in my life, uh, but uh, I can wash up and I can serve people food, so uh, two life skills that uh, have come in handy for me now, apparently, and, um, <laughs> and yeah, so I've been doing that, so I've been there since April, uh, and it's made the time go really quickly, because uh, I think I would have gone crazy just sat at home, um, locked in my flat that doesn't, that doesn't have windows open very far I don't have a garden either so are you usually based in Manchester when you're not touring yeah I moved up here about four years ago um I, I figured I've been touring for 15 years so um I used to live in London and I just got to a point where I was I was kind of like I don't need to live in London anymore it's you know the, uh, uh, the point of touring is like a start and start, a start city I can for a while I looked at living in Ibiza I figured it's actually like quicker to get a plane from Ibiza to London than to travel from, you know, Birmingham to London if you were going to drive or something. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I kind of looked at that for a bit. But yeah, I, I did a tour with Take That. Uh, where I wasn't tour managing, I was a VIP manager, which is a completely different job. Um, 
And uh, because I wasn't um, in charge of everything, I had a little bit of time off. I just used it as a chance to look at city, like be in cities and look at them, see if I'd live there. Mm. Got to Manchester. There's a really big Tory community to live in Manchester because the airport's great, it's really close. You know, motorway's great. Transport links are brilliant, and everyone was just like, "Move here, move here," and it's so friendly, and I love it. I just, it's the perfect place. I love it nice I've yeah I've spent a lot of time in Manchester it's such a lovely city it's um I had loads of friends who went to uni there because I went to uni in London um but yeah I decided to obviously to visit my friends a lot because it was like a proper university city rather than London which isn't but we had loads of fun there it's got such a great music scene as well it does and it's I think the thing I mean maybe this is an age thing um but uh, it's, it's got a city centre that's really like you can walk across the city centre in 20 minutes it's really easy to navigate it's not very big but if you want to you know the areas are kind of so close to each other that there's the real like overlap so you can go anywhere you know you can go to like the fancy city bit or like the hips the normal quarter or like the uni bit dressed like anything and you won't like you won't stick out people just you know in, like in, open their arms and go come and have some fun rather than like in London if you went to Shine whites in like a hoodie or something. Do you know what I mean? You, you probably, what well, you were getting. So, you just wouldn't be allowed you know, in. Uh, you, or you get stairs <laughs> all the way there. You know, people just being like, what? Why are you here? Whereas um, you can, you know, yeah, go in trainers and a hoodie to uh, spinning fields, which is like the, the nice bit. Yeah, so, nice. Then dresses and suits from work and stuff, and you're like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, so it's nice, it's nice. For anyone who doesn't know, what does a tour manager do? Okay, so it's not really a way to put my job into a nutshell, as it were. Um, <laughs> basically, I, uh, a manager manages uh, artists or bands' career. I am a tour manager, so I manage the tour um, in a very literal sense. So uh, you'll have a booking agent who books the dates. I won't have anything to do with booking dates, finding the venues. People seem to like, often think that I have a lot to do with that. Nothing to do with me. I get given the list of dates, mm. uh, the tour, the, you know, the tour list. Essentially, what's in the advert that you guys look at and go, "Oh yeah, I want to go there on this date, whatever." So I, I get the list of shows and dates, and I take that from a list on a piece of paper to actually happening. So I'll book transport, I'll book crew, I'll book, you know, gear, um, and you know, and and then on the day uh, I'll do the schedules and make sure everyone knows where they're going to be. I'll get the band to the place. You know, get the uh, liaise with the promoters to make sure we've got all the right equipment and people and stuff like that. And then, um, and yeah, everything up until, you know, we, pack, we set up the gig and then pack down the end of the night. The, the bigger tours, and like, for example, the tour I'm on now, um, I work with a guy from Turner. Um, and because we do bigger shows, I have a doctor manager. Mm. Uh, the doctor manager just manages the production of the tour. Uh, and which means that he sort of does a lot more of the stuff to do with electronics, essentially. So, so yeah, he's more sure. gear orientated and instruments and things like that. So, the, uh, you know, back, like backline and desks and things like that. So he he'll he'll do with a lot more of that and big trucks and buses and things like that. And um, when we when we split it like that, he deals with uh, things and wheels is mm. what we do, and I and I deal with people and. Uh, planes. So it's kind of the way we, we split up between us. People and planes sounds like quite a good one, though, to be fair. Yeah, it is fun. So you said you've been doing this for 15 years. 
so what was your first introduction to the music industry and do you remember sort of when you decided that you wanted to be a tour manager because I imagine 15 years ago the industry was quite different from how it is now yeah I mean the industry actually wasn't particularly different but the access to it was um you've got to bear in mind I'm old so uh I'm 40 next year which means that so when when I was you know, growing up when I was a teenager, the internet wasn't really a thing that you used to research stuff on. Mm. It was a thing that you downloaded illegal, uh, you know, uh, music files and talked to people in chat rooms. That's what I did on, on the internet <laughs> when we first got until your mum shouted at you because she wants to use the phone. Oh no, that was that's what I grew up doing as well. Um, yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, I just used, I don't know how I got away with it, I just used it for hours, but um. Uh, yeah, so because of that, um, I the main the main way you found out about jobs and what to do when you left school was careers guidance. And I remember I went to my careers guidance counsellor and I went. I was really into bands. I I basically my turning point was I'd seen I started watching the Glastonbury um, highlights on TV when I was like oh, I must be like fourteen or something. I've always been really into music, I played instruments and all this sort of thing. I played classic guitar, sort of hated it, hated the fact that it was, I'd been forced to like practice and things. Just wanted to, you know, be able to rock out and not with absolutely no effort. And, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I watched, I watched the Glass of Blue highlights and um, I saw Billy Brad playing Milton uh, of Human Kindness and I just went, what's this? I was like, what? I don't know, whatever, whatever these people are doing here, I want to do that. That's literally what what, changed, what what made me want to work in the music industry. So I went to my careers guidance counsellor and I said, I want to work in the music industry. And she went, okay, have you got, you know, GCSE music? I don't know. I don't want to be a musician. Mm. I want to work in the music industry. And they went, well, you'll need, like, A-level music. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to do music. I want to work in the music industry. And they went, oh, well, we don't really know much about that. Sorry. And that was it. That was, that was as much of the conversation as they had. They didn't know anything about the music industry, so I was left on my own. Uh, I went and worked in R Price Record Store, if anyone remembers that, um, for, for a while. Uh, and then and then I went to uni and did a, I did a private course after the year out uh, that was um, sound recording, music technology and music business studies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd be going to gigs like every Thursday, Friday, Saturday at this point, like it didn't matter who was on, just wanted to see music. Um, and in my head, I was like, well, what jobs are there as a sound engineer? Okay, that must be the job to do. So I went to uni to do that, did it, wasn't very good at it. I wasn't bad at it, but I, it didn't come naturally. Mm. To, you know, the same way as music, playing music didn't come naturally to me. Some people just pick up an instrument and be like, oh, is this is how it works, and play, you know, beautiful shape. I, I, I struggled, I kind of like, I, I knew it, I knew the theory of it, but it just I, I didn't have the confidence. Um, and yeah, so and I, I, I did really well on the course, but I, at the back of my mind, it was always a case of the side of it that was really, really easy for me was business. I knew mm-hmm. I could always fall back on business, so I was like, well, I'll work a label or something if I can't draw. Um, basically, I went forward a few years, and a, a load of uh, friends of mine, people I lived with, Started the band. Um, I don't drink, so they said, "Do you want to just drive us on a tour?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll just drive. It's fine." Um, and I said, "Okay." And they said, "Okay, cool. Yeah, it's next week." So I was like, "Right, if I want to drive, if I'm going to drive you to the gig, I need to know where the gig is, what time you need to be there, how long it's going to take there to get there, 
how how to get there because I said before sat navs. Um, you know, like what time to meet? Does everyone know where to meet? Where's the gig? Can we fit in? Have I got insurance for the van? And they just went, oh, well, you've just done a tour manager's job. And I was like, have I? Because that's just like common sense to me. If, if you're going to do on it, you know, if you're going to go somewhere, you've got to know all these things. Mm. They're like, that's, that's what you've just done. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I suddenly became their tour manager. Uh, and then they had a, that was a band called Holloway's, and then they had a top 10 hit. Amazing. And we skyrocketed, and I learned with them, and I was so lucky. I honestly, I didn't know what a tour manager was, and I still don't know what a tour manager is, really. <laughs> it's just somebody filled in the gaps. It's, and it is, the only way to explain it is it's just common sense. Somebody's doing, just make sure you have a think about what needs doing, and you do it. Nice. And that's such a great way to fall into, like, a job that you oh. clearly must love doing because you've been doing it for so long. So after... yeah, it really was, and, it, and, and the great thing about it was because I was with my best friends all the way through it, the first year was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and I could have walked out at any point, mm. um, but because I was with my best friends, they were always really supportive of me, they knew I, you know, they knew I didn't know what I was doing, so they weren't, didn't put any pressure on, you know, any time that, pe- that you know, people didn't do what I said or, you know, like, promote was being really difficult or, or whenever they want to speak to me because I'm female and all this sort of stuff, that, that they would be like, she's out on Monday, you need to speak to her, like, you know, don't, don't talk to us about it. And they really put me up, so I couldn't have asked for a better start. So you started off with your friends and something I was going to ask was, do you find it hard to have a balance between tour managing and being their tour manager and being mates of the people who you're tour manager for because I don't I've been around artists and they've been like told to go to bed <laughs> essentially yeah. by their tour manager and uh, um, yeah. I imagine there must be some sort of like quite fine line between being friends and being a TM. That's a really interesting question I've never been asked anything like that before do you know what it's actually not as I think I've got it easier than, say, for example, so if, if it, like, I guess comparisons, if you worked in a bank and your best mate is your manager, mm. it's a, it's a, it, then you can get some, you know, clash of, you know, opinions or whatever, or it, it could get, things can get difficult if you have to recommend people. It's not really the same with touring, because you're here often enough, it's a touring family, and you literally are a family, and like you have to be that close because you're physically that close to these people for, for you know twenty three of twenty four hours in a day. Um, so it, you know you, it's you, ha- you although you have to maintain some kind of structure, it's not really a hierarchy, or not so much in the bands I've worked with. Um, also, it, like because you have to have people's respect, but mm. you can't really. You can't really maintain a touring relationship without being friends, whereas you can maintain a work relationship without, you know, like in a in an office somewhere without being friends. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because yeah, and you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to work with people. I guess I've been mainly around the same age as everyone I've worked with as well, so um, that makes it it's sort of easier to 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 be to sort of like get on with people and not have to tell them not have to tell them what to do like your, your mum do you know what I mean um, <laughs> I guess I have a sort of mothering role to some extent which I've you know I've literally like had to nurse people back from sickness and stuff to do shows many times so um, so there is that side. but it's yeah I don't know I, I, don't, I think it's actually I think 
because you have to have that closeness and you can't have that like I'm the tour manager I'm going to say what to do it's yeah you actually it's actually beneficial to be friends it's like you know, it's like your best. It's like if you're out drunk with your with your mates, and then your mates are like go to bed. You're like, oh, okay, do you know what I mean? And you're like, no, yeah, exactly. and then they'll put you in bed, and they'll take your shoes off, and give you a bucket to be sick, just in case you're sick, and you just do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's that kind of relationship. But you know, I'm uh, like I said, I don't drink, so I'm around drunk people a lot. I always have been, and like the the like, I, I'm very used to being like, no. Stop. There's a there's at least one member of our crew mate who who shall remain nameless. He was very naughty, despite being you know in his forties. Um, but he'll, he'll he's like a he's like a disruptive teenager. He would like he would just find people's buttons and he would just you know be the one to like try and like sneak things onto us and you know or just hide people's stuff and things like that. Do you know what I mean? So you know hide people's bags and things. This is just he is just like a child. So you, you have to step, like, I'm, I just kind of fall into the role of, like, okay, when she actually says, no, you can't do that, don't do it. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> and so from the Holloways, you have been with lots of other artists, of course, touring. How have you, how did you find that work came about after leaving being the Holloways tour manager? Is it word of mouth or is it, like, I don't know? Yeah. Well, this is like, so this is like 2000 uh, and sort of like eight, nine, ten around that sort of that, that sort of time. And what I found, so I lived in London at, the, at that time. Um, I also so with the Holloway's drummer and the Holloway's manager, uh, who is now a, um, is an artist called Beans on Toast, um, and me and some people, we ran a nightclub called Frog um, in Central London, mm-hmm. um, and it was at Bean Fiddler underneath your story which doesn't exist anymore but it was a thousand capacity club nightclub and our, our secret weapon was at 1am we'd have a secret band on but we also had the new band that's of enemy who went to school with jay and dave was booking bands so he booked all the bands right before they got big um so basically like so it meant that we had a lot of bands around a lot of, you know our first few bands were like kooks uh raise kaiser chiefs you know I mean, like we had the block party, we had these sort of bands right before they got big. Um, so it just meant all like it was a very, you know, band orientated, uh, indie orientated place to be in London, which means that I just found myself in a sort of frantic group in a social scene of um, of just being right in the middle of the indie scene in London in that time. Mm. The thing you'll find is that everyone wants to be in a band. No one wants to be a tour manager because <laughs> it's the boring bit where you've got to drive. So I had just so much options for work. Like, and it was just word of mouth. Everyone just knew that she was a tour manager. If you go, oh, I need a drummer, you'll probably get a million names. But if they're like, oh, I think we need a tour manager, there was only really me. Mm. So... Um, so yeah, and then also being female, I think that at that time that suddenly it suddenly became quite cool to have a female tour manager. Um, there wasn't many of us, but it definitely gave me a little prop up. It sort of it makes me memorable, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I it was literally word of mouth. Like I just got offered people, people, and they're like, "Oh, will you be my tour manager?" I'm like, "If you pay me, I'll be your tour manager." That's <laughs> would you say? Because you say there weren't very many female tour managers then. Would you say there are more now? There are more now than there was. Um, there 
are what's really encouraging to see is there are loads of women really really interested in doing it mm-hmm. uh, maybe right this second uh, this year particularly maybe not the best time to start <laughs> i'm gonna say um but like but i've been doing um uh, talks and panels and all sorts for, for a, a lot of you know women music industry events and things like that and um the amount of uh women i see like young women i see in the audience who come up and ask the questions just i get recommend to be honest i get i get like emails every now and then or facebook messages from people who are like oh, i'm a friend of so-and-so and if they just recommended that i chat to you and if they're especially if they're local or, or could be phone calls people just want to, it, it's a really sort of weird job to find out exactly what it is mm-hmm. so um i mean it is a bit easy now but then if you have someone you can actually ask and that's fine and it's a sort of job that you really benefit from mentors i i am um, i mean i had i was really good friends with um who was uh, the tour manager for Wombats and the Holloways and Wombats did quite a few tours together at the very start when we were all learning and she became like if I had a problem I'd just call and be like oh my god I can't do this in Switzerland and I don't know how to find a hotel that has got two separate single beds because they keep trying to put them together and you know she'd be like okay use this travel agent and you you can be obviously because we we sort of worked before the internet was just or Google was just how you found out how you know answer to everything. So you do learn from other people, mm. especially having the support of other women doing it is is important. I think now that we're all a little bit more vis- you know like visually around and you know popped up and stuff, I think it's given it's given more uh, women young women a kind of uh, uh, the the feeling they can do it and it's not that much of a deal big deal anymore. Yeah, definitely. I do feel like with the industry, there are some jobs where people just don't know how to get into them, essentially. And that's kind mm-hmm. of why I wanted to start this podcast. And yours is definitely one right. of them because it's such like a specific job where there's no direct route into being a tour yeah. manager, I don't think, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Because I, I went to uni because I, I just assumed that I'd be told how to do things. And like, yes, you can learn to be a sound engineer in a classroom. Mm. You can't learn to be a tour manager in a classroom. And to be honest, they didn't even explain that a tour manager was... If, if I'd been told at, like, 19 that tour manager was a job and that I get to do spreadsheets all the time, I love spreadsheets, and just, like, you know, and all <laughs> I've got to do is, like, look after people and work out logistics and plan things. Brilliant. I would have done that when I was... I would have left uni and just gone and done it. But, yeah, it's not really... It's just a sort of like thing. It's like, oh, tour manager, that's the thing that that person does over there. And you only ever really see it, see them because they only exist once a band gets to a certain level. Mm. It's almost a bit of a, it feels like a bit of an unattainable uh, uh, objective at some point, you know, sometimes. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, 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 it's the best job in the world. Everyone should do it. So with tour managing, what has been your best tour to date that you've managed? Oh my god! I don't know. Uh, let's see. I mean, I've had like just amazing experiences all through, mm. and and it's like there's not every time you do a tour, especially if you. I mean, Frank's tours are great because we're a very small unit. There's twelve of us that tour, a band and crew that tour worldwide, and then we have we have extra people that we use all the time when we do bigger tours, like arena tours in the UK and stuff. But our little family is quite small for how. Big how much touring we do mm. um, Frank also chooses a lot of his sport acts 
So once you do a tour, I think almost every time you do a tour, you're with these people, not only your friends, your crew, but the support bands, like, you know, for 30 days, 30 to 45 days, every single day, basically. And you're talking and you have to be, you know, you're with each other in a venue with nothing else to do other than sound check for, like, 15 hours a day. So you're going to chat to people. And almost every time, at the end of it, it's like... It's like leaving school, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to see you again. Oh, my God, we're going to see each other at this festival. And it's, you know, and because you form such a bond with the people, every tour is like the best ever tour. And at the end of it, it's like the worst thing because you're not going to see these people every day and it's going to be someone else. Um, but then, like, you know, there's little spots of things. I, I probably, more things, more more great things have happened that I've forgotten than I can remember. But, like, at the Holloway's, first ever festival was um at the other stage at Glastonbury and my mm. my dream when I was like 16 was to be just to work at Glastonbury that was the thing I wanted to do I went round when I was at uni with like little CD CVs with my work with my dissertation work on giving them out to all the, all the um uh, stages to the people at stages to try and get work experience like, mm-hmm. I wanted to work at Glastonbury, and then the first festival we did was broadcast on BBC on the other stage to, like, 20,000 people, and it was the most insane day. I cried all the way through, and everyone was like, all the reps were like, are you okay? And I was like, no, this is pretty emotional. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, that, and then there's a band called White Denim that um, I toured with for, like, six years or something from America, and we, we for years, it was just three of them and me. And then the four of them when they added a member. Mm. And we just we just did Europe. Like we just slogged it ten hours a day van, just in Europe, just the four of us, just five of us for ages and it was brilliant. So yeah, just it's all great. <laughs> and on the flip side, has there been anything that's ever gone really, really wrong? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, lots of stuff's gone wrong. I mean, um people get ill, uh things break. Uh, you know, vehicles break, flights get delayed. I've had, I had a sat nav go kind of wild when I was with uh, School of Seven Bells in a van in Switzerland and drove us up the Alps and we got stuck at the top of like a ski resort on a tiny little road where we had to do like a 45 point turn with a 20 foot drop into snow to get the van to go back down the road. Oh my gosh! And I, I honestly thought at some point I was like, I don't even know where we are to call, and I don't know who I have to call, like what the Swiss AA is. <laughs> if, if, if we're stuck here, if we're stuck here, like I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And um, you know, but we just did it. It was horrible. We did it. Uh, and then um, there's time that we went to. I went with. Where to, to to Russia, and there was a snowstorm, and our our flight got diverted to like ten hours away. I think we had to be in Moscow, and we were in Saint Petersburg, where we were actually supposed to be the next day. After mm-hmm. that, so we had to get a train. All our gear had got lost. All our luggage had got lost completely. Um, so we ended up having to um, yeah hire equipment. Hiring equipment in, in Russia is quite difficult. Um, and it was 
like my first or like third gig with them so I didn't even know what they were carrying I didn't really know their back, back their back line at all mm. and I had to like sit on a train and try and get the information you know and there's one thing going I need this guitar and this amp when you've got to go what you've got to say exactly what pedals you need for the pedalboard which may have 10 pedals on it, it you know it's, it's a bit more kind of uh, difficult and then we I you know I was like okay so this drum this drum drumsticks and we turned up and the, the kind of mark of the quality of equipment we got was the fact that they turned up with one drumstick. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't realise I had to specify how many drumsticks, but at least two is going to be good. You know, um, I, had a tour, I had a tour with uh, Noisettes where we were going down, to, driving down to, in a tour bus down to somewhere in Spain for a festival. And uh, drum, uh, the guitarist sat on the front smoking. And this was obviously many years ago. And um, he goes, what's that? And the tyre, like a wheel, rolls past the bus on the motorway. And the driver goes, oh, that's our wheel. Oh and the wheel had come off the bus. Uh, oh and just wow. got overtaken them. And uh, we basically had to then, instead of drop, what we were supposed to be doing was driving back in a tour bus to Cornwall, I think, for... Uh, Boardmasters festival, um, mm-hmm. and so, and obviously on a festival weekend you can't get you you have to book buses a year in advance for mm-hmm. festivals. So there were no buses, um, and we had to. If you try and we obviously had all our equipment with us, so if you're trying to get you know the only flights that fly are budget airlines, and when you try and get excess baggage, it's like ten quid per kilo or something and we're carrying all these instruments and all the extra stuff and it was like six thousand pounds excess baggage and it was yeah just the thing is about stuff going wrong is it's really it's kind of the thrill of the job because you you know you need to just make quick decisions to make you know the show must go on Mm. that's the thing and you just you know how do we deal with it can we deal with it probably yes it's the answer always and how that's done is just up to you. And, you know, this is you, you, when you have a really good team, like me and Doug, my production manager, Frank Turner, one of the reasons why I wanted to work with him so much um, when he came on board is because we've known each other for years. Like, from the start, he would actually work, he was sound engineer for one back at the start. But we brainstorm really well together. So whenever there's a problem, he's thinking of one side of stuff and I'm thinking of the other side of stuff. So we always come out with, like, good conclusions. Nice. It sounds like you have to be very calm and very pragmatic to be a TM. I'm never calm. I mean, yeah, you should be calm, but I'm, I'm not going to say I get stressed and be, I, when I start shouting at people and I like, just leave through I'm like, just, just get going and I'll, I'll shout at people and then have to go and apologise later. But, you know, when when the stuff hits the fan, you just got to deal with it, don't you? <laughs> Do you find that when you get home from tour, it's really hard to switch off from it and relax or are you just so knackered by the end of it that you're like ready for a break? Um, a bit of both, really. So, so since I've moved to Manchester, because I was originally in London and then for that tent, and especially when you're coming from Europe, um, and you're in a bus mainly, and then you're going to Dover. When I was either going home to my mum's in Kent or getting off in London, you kind of do the ferry thing and then get home. Mm. Now that I'm living in Manchester, it's another like seven hours up to Manchester. <laughs> so you've got a lot of time to be like, oh, I'm not on tour anymore and do the sort of decompression. And then by the time I get home, I fully flip the other way. I don't have the adrenaline stuff from the gig anymore. I 
sit down, sleep a lot, put the telly on, barely leave the house. My boyfriend has to like force me to leave the house, go to the shops and stuff. Oh, I will just switch off. That's um, good that you can do that though, because I feel like maybe that I thought that might have been quite hard to have that. Because yeah, the adrenaline must, must be mad, yeah. having to be on like constantly. For... Yeah, I mean that doesn't mean I'm not bossy when I get home and I'm kind of like, well, we need to see this and my like, you're not tormenting me, like stop it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I like maybe like I can't switch off the work side of it, but like I, I don't get yeah, I I I. I also, as well, there's a, for a while, um, before I start with Frank and he tours so much, I only work with him now. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless there is other work out there, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I am open to office, everybody. Um, but, I, you know, you most tour managers, and I did for a while, have to juggle bands. So there was, I was working like six bands one year. So when you do like that, you only get maybe one day off in between tours. You, you know, hopefully they don't overlap. Um, so you know, it's like you, you might only get even with Frank. We, we sometimes we we were doing like a American tour. You get back, you obviously lose a day because you're flying and stuff. We'd have three days at home and then go on another European tour. So I think you have to learn to be like, this is downtime, mm. and like and like I have to do all my. It's mainly washing is all you're doing. Oh, laundry. <laughs> I have to do all my laundry, make sure dryers, pack it, and go again. And yeah, so you, you sort of have to learn to quickly relax. You said you have your boyfriend at home. So how do you find being away so much and, like, uh, then not having that much time for your personal life because you're on tour so much? Um, I mean, to be honest, I was single for a long time. We've been together four years. Mm. Um, but that was, uh, but this is, you know, the first relationship I've had that's worked. It, it's really difficult to, like, um, you know, there's a lot of compromise. It's really difficult to maintain uh, well, and not everybody gets it. Um, I'm lucky. Uh, my boyfriend was a um, uh, a wedding singer. I'm not supposed to call it that. I'm supposed to call it like entertainer or something. But uh, yeah, he was a wedding singer for for like yeah, for a few years um, before I met him uh, many years ago. Um, which means, to some extent, he understands my job. And you know, his his uh, his partner at the time would have, was like, oh, you know, you just out like getting drunk with bridesmaids you know and, and he's like no i'm loading into a car in the rain driving to a hotel getting five hours sleep driving to the next wedding mm-hmm. just setting up Do you know what I mean? so he understood that it's not all glam yeah. and i think that's the difference um because it you know it's, it's not someone who just thinks that it's just always partying all, all the time and you're not calling me because you know you're probably just like hanging out with some rock stars it's like no I'm really actually quite busy <laughs> and it's mainly admin and Excel spreadsheets <laughs> yeah nice that makes sense so you were touring with Frank Turner before lockdown happened and then lockdown uh, happened yes. yeah yeah so we were we'd actually just done our European tour with Docket Murphy's um where I'm literally just left uh, Italy before the lockdown happened in Italy so we were kind of like oh well, hang on what's going on here then we went on a theatre tour um, sort of solo theatre tour uh, and we got almost all the way through it and obviously we're getting kind of rumours of lockdowns and what's happening and there's you know stuff going on but we were so close to the end that the problem we had is that um, uh, this is what you know most tour- tours had at the time was that if the government banned events mm. then we could claim insurance yeah but if they didn't which they ultimately ended up not they ended up suggesting that people don't go to the pub anymore and that yeah. they they're not banning events but we're, we're, they're gonna not supply 
any uh, medical, you know, medical personnel at St John's Ambulance or anything to mm. the events, which means that we, we're not allowed to put rock because you haven't got the right personnel there. Um, yeah, they, they kind of swerved it so that no one got a payout, obviously. It was um, bad, we, wasn't it? It was really, really just it, such a... But the then whole, it was it was restaurants as well. It was like, it was just yes. everyone. So it was live events, restaurants, pubs, like no one... We yeah. weren't supposed to go, but we also what, yeah. weren't being paid to not go. <laughs> exactly, this is it. Yeah, they were just suggesting that people do not no longer go. But yes, mm. and, and then also Sam was getting a lot of... He was getting people emailing him saying i'm really you know stan i can't go can i not get a refund and obviously there's a point when he was like if, if it comes to it um if, it, if there's like you know more people not turning up than turning up because they decided that it's not safe to go then of course we're going to cancel because it's going to be more fair that the majority of people don't you know would like their money back mm. but the time that the shows go ahead if you didn't want to go can really refund individual people it doesn't really work like that unfortunately um and we he was getting he was so into his minds and he didn't know what to do and then what happened with us particularly is that we had the support artists and our merch manager jamie they're american and we were like you guys i'd sat them down about week four and i was like if you want to go home please don't worry about it, just let me know and I will do what I can to get you back. It's not a problem, don't feel like you're bailing out, this is a really messed up situation, it's mm. really unique, do what you need to do. And they were like, no, 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 we're here. And then Trump um, implicated that travel, the travel ban, when he was like, okay, we're going to like stop flights, whatever, and, and they just went, we need to go home, I went, that's fine. And when they, they turned around and said, I need to go home, Frank was like, we're done, the tour's the finished, they're not here, we can't keep going. And it was about mm-hmm. three shows before the end. And then it turned out that, like, the, yeah, that the, the, they sort of, I think actually, I think it was on the weekend, and actually most events all finished that weekend because it was like, it's very fun, it's just a big show and yeah, someone else. But, you know, so there had been stuff that weekend, but after that weekend, it just sort of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And the minute that he decided we've got to call it he said he, he said it was like a wave of shoulders just because no one knew what was the right thing to do at that point did they you know we no. didn't know if it was just like a conspiracy or if you know actually it's fine you don't need to you know, it doesn't matter if you're close to people so the minute it was decided he was like actually this is what need, yeah this is better this is the way it needs to be we all just need to go home um and i think on the way home everyone was a bit like if you let's you know it, it was funny actually when we were talking in the van because because we've been dealing with tour so much and when you're in the, it's literally it's a called a tour bubble for a reason you don't really have anything else mm. uh, none of us really thought about it we've been reading it but not only reading it in relation to our situation but really reading it as just people sitting at home going oh man my work's closed and all this sort of thing and, and suddenly as we were driving home it was me Ali Lighting Girl and Doug we just drove home we're like Holy moly, there's a pandemic. Like, there's actually a thing happening here. And it just really hit us all at once. And we're like, wow, okay. And yeah, that was March. Mm. My ne- well, uh, yeah, my, our next tour is booked in May uh, 2021. It's just such a long time, isn't it, to not be working? Um, like I, I, cause I know you did that guardian, guardian interview, which is how I actually yeah. found you. Um, cause I was reading about it, but then it's not just the not working and then losing this 
obviously, I don't think you'll lose your skills from not working, but it's just the familiarity of not doing what you're usually doing for such a long time. But then also just maybe the lack of support from the government, because I don't know about you, but I'm finding that, like, what are we supposed to do after October? <laughs> of, I know, I know. It's, just... it's, it's crazy. I mean, I know everyone's in a situation, I know it's a recession, I know, you know there's only a finite pot of money, it's not really, but... Um, mm. you know, like, Unless they keep uh, printing more. Uh, yeah, exactly, just press go you know, on the printer. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... The, the problem with... I mean, it's kind of funny to say, like, you know, I, I did, I did, I, I do believe there's a lot of, a lot more people going to have probably more issues keeping up their skills ready to tour again and, and do it right, you know, mm. because after a year of not doing it, because I can't tour manage at home, I literally can't, I can't, my boyfriend would get really annoyed if I did start trying to do that, we all, <laughs> I would do on a holiday, do you know what I mean, so I'm like, I'm going to see that, I book all the flights and I make sure I price match all the different things and so <laughs> schedule mm. out like activities, so you know, there's only so much I could do when we're in lockdown and, we, and all I'm doing is walking to the Nightingale, girl, which is 20 minutes away from us, and I'm walking back and that's it, going to Tesco's, um, so, so yeah, but you know, like people that like the the um, backlight technicians, you know, sound engineers. There's like I, when I was doing sound engineering, which wasn't was only for a couple of years, but like I found it hard hard to keep up. But if you've not done it for a year, you get rusty, don't you? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, with everything. Yeah, and, and we already we already have it's kind of a running joke, but it's sort of not a joke really. When, whenever we we do a security briefing right before doors for a show just with all the venue staff to make sure everyone's on the same page about everything's happening if we've been off if we've been at home for like two weeks a week even two weeks definitely we'll just go how do how do we do this again <laughs> it's really easy to forget like what you know you have to go through numbers you have to go through this and you have to hit all these points and, you know it's not written on a piece of paper to be able to go okay this first then this point you know you, you just have to remember to think there's lists and where he comes off stage and what happens afterwards and does he meet fans and you know all of these things have to, if you forget some of them to just mean that you know wrong person walks backstage or it's, all sorts of things can go wrong mm. so just, it's just remembering to do it when you've been at home chilling out with your pets for a couple of weeks is hard enough let alone after a year or two months and that's even if shows are allowed to happen in may you know I'm, well yeah I, I never banked on october i didn't just didn't see it happening because i was working at nightingale and i was talking you know we talked to the ambulance staff and we talked to the medical staff so you know i, I sort of have a, a good amount of inside mm. information as it were um or frontline information more, more like um but uh, but yeah, just I don't know. It, it's it's such a it's such a tough thing. But like it's you know if there's a second wave or if you know who, who's to say that if you know if, if things aren't happening if there's a, if there's another lockdown in January, who's to say that gigs are going to start happening by March? Because you know? we might be back this you know square one again, and we have to go through all the stages to get to the point where it's safe for people to be around each other. Yeah, I guess all we can do is hope not, because I don't know about yeah. you, but I'm starting to go a bit mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I luckily, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm vaguely enjoying what I do. I spent yeah. four hours a day just washing up um, in in the kitchen in GMAX, um, <laughs> which, uh, which usually I've been, I actually haven't done a gig there, but, um, you know, that is, it's a venue. 
And every time I walk down the corridors, it's just like being at a gig. It's really weird for me sometimes. I have to sort of have to keep, like, just, but, oh, you know, if there was signs, say, like, pointing towards the stage and point, this would just be where I'm working normally for a gig. Um, so, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, I've been keeping busy, but it's, it's definitely, it's definitely needs to happen soon. Because, and, you know, not, not everybody, I'm, I've, got loans and I've applied for, you know, applied for loans and stuff and I've, I've sort of got myself in a position where I think I can wait yeah. till May mm. a lot of people haven't I haven't got kids do you know what I mean like you know people like a load of our all, all the guys started having kids a couple of years ago so if you've got kids in the mix as well you know it's not just that simple to be like oh I just go and do a different minimum wage job for a year well, um, yeah, is that that's just it's know, so you know, true there are so many got, different things for lots of different people and yeah, they've got lives to live, and you know, like, and and you know, it's like it's not even like it's for a year; it's mm. for a year possibly. And like, you know, there's lots of people who won't be able to hold off at that time. And there, there's some really interesting threads on some of the Facebook crew groups of people um, discussing what skills they have in what areas and what training they're doing to go into different careers. Yeah. And you know, there's going to be a huge drop off of people. Or even I think even with support is the it's only going to be, it's only going to be able to do so much, that's the problem. Oh yeah, so, exactly. Like I myself, I have not really worked properly for about five months. And right. as I said to you, yeah, my boyfriend was made redundant last week. So we're just oh, fairly so fortunate that we're in a position where we can support ourselves for like a while, but not that long. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I can only sort myself, I can only wait it out for a year. Mm. So, you know, in order to go, it's not even just like, oh, I know, I'm just going to like just hang out and not work for a year and have a year off. It's great. It's not that at all. No. It's just that I want to go back into the career I've done for 15 years. I love. And you've worked really hard to get to where yeah. you are doing it. And that's the main thing, isn't it? It's like having to put our lives on hold for this year where we don't really do anything <laughs> so no, like we're like gallivanting off and having a really nice time somewhere like exotic it's like we're literally just sitting yeah. in our living rooms doing absolutely yeah. nothing yeah this is it and like, and like i say like i said i'm doing catering in the hospital i've never worked in the nhs but it's i'm, I'm trying to glean goodness out of it like i, I I'm, I'm a firm believer if you if you're working for 75 percent of your life do something you enjoy mm. and it's not it's not what i saw myself doing it's not ideal but do you know what? Like, I'm working with really nice people. We, you know, when we were not open, then it went standby. But when we were open, we were, you know, talking, like having chats with the nurses every day. And, like, you know, that's sometimes they were sad and telling us about things that happened. And, you know, just having some real human connect- connection. Yeah. And do you know what? I get to go home every night, which I haven't done. I haven't had a normal job for 15 years where I go home and cook my own tea every <laughs> evening and see with my friends. Like, I haven't, like, it's the kind of dream that when you're on tour, you're like, oh, I wish I had a normal job. Yeah. I've got a normal job now, it's not like great. <laughs> the grass is always greener. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll switch back to it. So finally, what advice would you have for anyone else who is interested, post-COVID, of course, in getting yeah. into touring or tour right, managing? Um, yeah, so basically, get some, um, just like, don't be afraid to ask for advice and ask questions. Um, the way the way I see it, and I know that Frank's in the same boat, and like everyone in our team is, is that um, uh, is that everyone's got to start somewhere, and so 
you know, it might as well be here. We all had our first break. Like, someone's given us our little first child service. My friend's going to come and drive for us if we want to get drunk. And, you know, you don't drink. But, you know, everyone's had their little break to get into the industry. So make friends with people, with peers that are also trying to get into the industry. Because also, you don't, you never know which of those people might be your, you know, future crewmate. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. everybody, it's a really sociable industry. Um, so make friends, impress people. Um, what I always say to people is when you're, um, you know, even if it's like a, if you're going to a gig as a, a, a fan, but you get chatting with, you know, someone who works for them at the bar or whatever afterwards, um, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. No such thing as a stupid question. And um, and the other thing is you're always, always auditioning. And like, so, so because it, because the biggest thing, I mean, I've got a CV, but I don't really send it out to people because people sort of, well, they see LinkedIn now, I suppose. But, you know, it's all word of mouth. You get rec- everything in this industry is recommendations. And so you're all, so even if you're doing a gig that you really hate, you're auditioning. Even if you're just drunk in a bar afterwards and you can, you're just, you're a support bands, you know, mate who's driving, but you're with the, so, you know, the main band's crew auditioning because those people will be like hey you know that that young kid that was like, really eager let's just get them on to like do a little bit of extra stuff because i need a bit of hand so yeah just like you're always auditioning for your next job um but yeah more than anything it's a really sociable interesting uh, industry so you've just got to make friends so that's how you're going to get work that is great advice thank you and thank you so much for your time this has been so great that's okay, I've loved it. I've loved doing something that's not just working or cooking. <laughs> me too, it's what's, it's it's what's been keeping me going, to be honest, chatting to lots of different people. Um, it's not been a Zoom quiz either, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, are we still doing those? Like, surely no, not. Yeah, they're, they're happening still, believe me. You're quite hard <laughs> yeah. to find online though, aren't you? Because I couldn't find you on Instagram because I don't do Twitter anymore. I only have Instagram. Um, but... Yeah, well, I, I have Twitter, but I don't use it. Yeah, uh, I, I am on Instagram, but I'm London Tree on Instagram because I because I uh, I've lived in London and I chose all my living email addresses and everything based on living in London, which was a stupid <laughs> idea. Um, so yeah, so I, so yeah, I, I'm sort of I'm I'm rarely on Frank's thing. Frank sometimes adds me into stuff and then tags me in things, and I'll get a little flurry of people adding me and stuff. But do you know, I'm about I'm actually about to do my website. When I say about. I've had the domain for 18 months, I haven't done it, but I, I did say I was going to do it this week, because obviously I've been doing some public speaking and all these interviews and stuff like that, I'll link to them, to link to them and my CV and stuff like that I'll have up, uh, so, so I'm go- that's, that's going to be my next thing to do, which hopefully means that I'll be a bit more findable. <laughs>